2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It will be our main passage for this morning. Um, but I do have a couple that we'll throw in along the way, just kind of building this. I've been in church a long time, all of my life. I've been very blessed to have that heritage, very blessed to have that uh, knowledge that I, I've learned along the way. But I, I've thought about that. There is a lot of blessings that come with that. But at the same time, that's not always the best thing. And, and, and let me tell you why. When I say the negative side of that, it's, it's easy for me to all, all my life to grow up in class at junior church, Awana, worship services, Bible studies, Wednesday night, all those things, and, and be able to sit there and have someone tell me, and for me just to take what they say, put it into my head, and for me to never dig it out for myself. And what happens from that is I have learned what happens to us as Christians, a lot of us that are around it a lot, we are very familiar with things of God, but we could not explain them ourselves. We, we have a very surface view of these things when it comes to God's word or, or, or what we believe in or what we stand on or what we're passionate about. I've, I've asked Christians before that are very passionate or dogmatic about something and I've, I've come back and asked them, where is that in the Bible? And they say, I don't know, but I know it's in there. And I'm thinking, if we're going to literally take the word of God that transforms lives, we need to know God's word. We need to know what it says and why it says that. Let, let me throw out an illustration of what I'm talking about. You, you raise your kids, and, and, or you were raised in church, and you've been in church your whole life, and now you're raising kids, and you look at your kids and you say, you should be in church. I want you to be in church. They turn around and say, Mom, Dad, why should I go to church? And your response is, hey, I grew up in church. It was good for me. I want you to have what I had growing up. That's an awful, flimsy excuse. See, that God has a lot of really, really, really good reasons why you should be in church. He has really, really good reasons why you should be the church. He has really good reasons why we do what we do, but the world and our kids and those around us need to know the truth. And so I, I believe that when we come together, I want you to receive this, but I, I think we should dig deeper to understand these things. And I'm going to start with one this morning that is a principle of our salvation. Of what it means to be in church, but to find, or to be in church, to be in Christ. To be in Christ. You see, without the Bible, there is no power. Without us taking it from the Bible, there is no conviction. There is no change. It will fail without it being out of the Bible. The Bible gives us a lot of things that we've learned for a long time. And I took one of these passages that I know, but I want to explain Deeper this morning, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Let's pray. Dear God, I know that I am speaking to a lot of Christians that are pretty seasoned, Lord, in their in their experience of being able to know verses and quote verses. And Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that you help us understand this morning two words that you emphasize in this passage of what it means to be in Christ. Lord, I pray that you give me the words to say because my mind has gone in so many different directions. Lord, as you began to 
talked to me about this a few weeks ago, and now, Lord, for me to stand here, I don't, I don't want to miss the message, Lord, that you have for us. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'll speak to all of us, Lord, and just hide me behind the cross as I attempt, Lord, in, in, in what you've given me to do to lift you up. Lord, I thank you for the music. Lord, I thank you for this day, Lord, although we do this day differently as we stop and we slow down to say thank you, Lord, for this nation. Lord, help us also say thank you for the cross, the blood, and our salvation. We pray this in your name. Amen. <clears throat> I, I say a lot about how God will transform lives. And I'm not, I'm not just saying transform lives and a lot of people they come into church and they'll sit there and they'll listen to it and may, maybe they are they're different they they're coming out of something that is so hung up on their past and, and I mean I'm telling you we deal with people all the time that are messed up from their past of being hardcore in alcohol or drugs or and I could go on and on and on and I mean there's a lot of stories then I get up and I say, man, God will change your life. God will change your life. But I've, I've gotta, you've got to understand what's going to change your life. Because this verse right here does not say if any man be in church, he is a new creature. Or if any man be in religion, he is a new creature. Or if any man be in any other thing, the Bible says very clear, there is one thing that will make you different it is being in Christ but we try so many other things there are people that will attend church that are faithful that will be in service they will be in church they will be in giving they will be in so many things and nothing changes to the point where they almost give up walk out thinking this is not for me I'm not the me meant to be that guy that is different or changed I'm not meant to be that guy that overcomes my past or addictions or whatever I will be stuck like this forever and I sit back and think what did we put the emphasis on the wrong thing look at this with me it says if any man be in Christ. And I want to break this down. First of all, I want to define who he is. Define who he is because it's, it, it, there's no other name like Jesus Christ. There, there is no other reputation. There is no other sacrifice. There is no other way. There is no any other thing outside of Jesus Christ. And I, start, I begin to think about that. If I could lay this platform out for a minute and just, I, I, that's how I think. In, in my office, if you want to know what I'm working on, just come in my office, and I've got it laid out all over my desk. I have to see it. I have to visualize it. I have to have a whiteboard. I have to have pieces of paper. I have to, Jenny can tell you right now, I'm working on stuff for the, the house that we're attempting to buy. And I, you can go to my dresser, and I've got it all laid out in stacks on there. I'm a visual person. I've got to see it to understand it, okay? So this is going to be my desk for a minute. I, I want to talk about Christ. And if I was to lay out on, on this spiritual whiteboard if you will and talk about Jesus Christ I'm going to tell you that my God my Jesus it was a sacrifice on the cross that that died and conquered death hell and the grave he conquered my sin he conquered my past when I lift up Jesus and you say how is he any different than any other thing I say that he died he conquered he rose again he lives on high you cannot slow him down you cannot back him off and he lives inside my heart that is my Jesus he is my salvation. He is forgiveness. 
I'm not saying that he has forgiveness. He is forgiveness. My Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross and he forgave them and his blood of Jesus Christ, when I talk about Jesus, I talk about salvation. I talk about forgiveness. I talk about his love. The Bible doesn't say that he has love. The Bible says that he is love. And I want you guys to hold on to the things as I'm getting on. And you're saying you're getting away from the passage. No, I just, I just don't want to, I don't want to belittle the in Christ part. I don't want to just get in there and say he was a God or he was this or he was that. I want you to know the full gamut. That God is love. Infinite, unbound, unexplainable love. The Bible says it's agape love. It, it goes beyond whatever we could explain or have on this earth. God is unconditional love, which literally means there is nothing you could do. There's no, no way you could go too far. There's nothing that could ever pull back the love of God. My God is power. I could go on and on and on. The Bible says, therefore, if any man. Can, can I pull back and look at Jesus? But before he gets to the be in Christ part, he says, any man. Which literally means that any of these things that I listed are not limited. It means that no matter where you've been or where you've, your past is, whatever, God literally says that this is to any person. And I don't want to overlook that. I want, I want you to know who he is, but it takes me into the message of where we're trying to get is where I am. Say, so where am I? I you say, are, are you going to make this about you? Let, let me stop and say, we often say this, and it is true, and I don't want to not emphasize this, but when I accepted Jesus Christ, and I did it when I was 16 years old, Jesus Christ came to, to dwell inside my life. I literally, I'm going to tell you that I have the indwelling of God in my life. And you say, I don't understand that. There's God the Father, there's God the Son that died on the cross, and then he gave us the third part of God, which is God the Holy Spirit. God came to live inside of my life. And, and, and I'll explain that because the, the new creature part and all that has to do with that. But I, I'm here to tell you that I'm not just Tony. I'm an ambassador. I'm light. I'm salt. I'm different. I'm peculiar. All of those things is because of who lives inside of me. And, and it's unexplainable how awesome that is. But that's not what the passage is necessarily just talking about. Because this is, this is deeper than that. And I, I've used this illustration before when I was, I, I preached a while back, I can't remember when it was, about grace, about grow in grace. And I acted this out of some of you guys might remember when it was Logan but I, I want to take that principle and just kind of bring that back because I couldn't shake it out of my mind this morning and so I've learned not to quench the spirit of God when he's telling me to say something when Jenny and I first came to Fellowship Baptist Church back in 2000 we had no children we came here just as a couple and but the reality of my family was huge I mean huge I, God blessed me so much I was the youth pastor of, at, at the coolest church with the coolest youth group I've, I could ever explain. And it was amazing how we shared that life. I'm not just saying that it was just something that I did. I was in with both feet. I loved every minute of it. I, I know these other guys could explain that have gotten to follow in the footsteps of what I've got to do here at Fellowship Baptist Church. It's awesome. I, I, I went on trips around the world 
with, with these youth, this youth group. I, I'm telling you, we, we went to Brazil twice and Rio de Janeiro, and we got to go on college tour trips. And one of the college tour trips that we went on, we went to Alabama, and I showed them how rednecks do fireworks. And uh, here in Alabama, there's a fireworks stand on every corner. And I remember it was the hardest thing for me because I drove to Alabama as a youth pastor. I'm in a church van, okay? I'm driving there in a church van. It's labeled Fellowship Baptist Church. I'm driving. But I, I went from youth pastor Tony to dumb redneck Tony, like, like crossing the state line. And, and I just said, I saw the fireworks stand and I said, oh, I got an idea. We went and we bought all these fireworks and lighters and all these things, and we went crazy in the backyard, just like a redneck holiday, just going hog wild, lighting these off. And I'm telling you, the teens still remember that to this day of the fun that we had. And I remember I had this crazy idea. I was like, what if you took one of these giant bottles? I shouldn't be telling you this. I'm not going to tell you. You're going to be like, you were the youth pastor. You did that. with." But we tied a rope to it, a string. And then we shot it off just to see what would happen if it would shoot off. And then, and then it just went in a giant story. It was so cool. They were safe. Nobody lost much. It was <laughs> they were a huge, huge part of my life. They would come over my house. My day off or not, we'd go hang out with them after church. And we didn't even have that many adult friends until we left the teen class because it was just so part of our life. March 1st, 2001, God blessed me with uh, Jordan. I know my son. I almost said Logan. Jordan. Jordan was our firstborn son and uh, child into our family, and it was, it was pretty cool. I, I look back at that now, and it's hard to believe that he's 13 years old. But on March 1st, 2001, he was born into my family. Jordan was born into my family. We brought Jordan home and placed him in our home. Jordan was placed into everything that was mine. My car was his transportation. The food in my fridge belonged to him. Now that he's 13, I kind of regret that. (laughs) The bed that he slept in, the heat that he had, the money that I had was for his provision. Everything that I was, everything that I had, every resource that was bestowed upon me, the relationship, the love that I had within there, every bit of it, he was not part of that. I'm here to tell you, he was not part of that. He was not connected to that. I'm here to tell you that Jordan Liuso was born into smack into the middle of all of that. It was, it was not just something he had. It was who he was. And, and I got into this. And all of a sudden, the Lord hit me with this thought. It was two weeks ago. On a Thursday night, that God hit me with this thought. Let me, let me show you, 2 Corinthians 5.21. This is, it's, you're in the same passage. I just want you to, to look forward with me just a little bit. For he hath made him to be sin for us. Now read this and get it. Who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let me go back. My Jesus is salvation. 
My Jesus is forgiveness. My God is unconditional love. My, my God is this mighty power. My God is all of these things. And what I realized is what Jesus was saying is I was born into all of these things. It is not a matter of me trying to achieve. It's not a matter of me being connected like I was with the teens. It was more like being being Jordan that I was born into the middle of these things. This passage right here says, let me guys get, just so you understand, you say, Tony, who are you in Jesus Christ? I am righteous in Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to achieve righteousness. I'm not trying to get better at it. I'm not trying to earn my way. I could never do so. I am, I stand righteous before Jesus Christ. I am loved. I can't step out of it. I can't earn more of it. Some of us try so hard to earn more of it. You want, to be, you, want, you, want to be, you want God to be pleased with you? I'm here to tell you God is pleased with you because you are a child of God. But sometimes we don't get that. We feel like we're on the outside just saying, man, I wish I, wish I could have more of that or that. God says, you don't understand. You were born into that. You were born into the hand of God. You were born into salvation. You were born into forgiveness. I don't strive to earn it. He accepts me for all those things. Morgan has been on this kick now for three, four weeks. For some reason, she wants to go with me Sunday mornings to church when I get here. So we get up at 6, we get dressed, we get everything done, we drive to the church by 7, we go around unlocking, we do all these things. And for some reason, Morgan has, just, has this obsession of wanting to go with me. So I, I, I go to get in bed last night, and on my pillow is a big sign that says, please don't forget me. <laughs> please don't forget me. I don't know if I have that reputation or what. <laughs> please don't forget me. In my suit, I, hung my, I hang out all my clothes the night before. In my suit right here was stuck a sign, don't forget me. Wake me up, Daddy, please. I, I, I go over to get my keys from where they are. There's another sign. She puts signs all over the place. Because she did not want me to forget her. Let me tell you about my daughter, Morgan. I could never forget her. And I, I'm not saying that in the thing. I, 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 I love, she doesn't even understand. I love that. I love to be able to wake her up. I love to be able to have her. She went in my office this morning and she gets here. She runs around and then she sleeps in my chair in my office every single time. And the whole time I'm working on my uh, on all my notes and everything, I keep stopping and I turn around and I see her in my office. I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about two hours ago. And all I can do is smile. And I'm, I'm, you say, that doesn't make sense. You would go in my office and, and maybe it doesn't even bother me, but it made me smile. That's my child. And I take great pleasure in her being in my presence, in my love. And I get up and I, I take off my jacket and I cover her up and I made sure that she was comfortable and she laid on her Bible and different things that was there and she doesn't even understand everything that was there. But with her being in my care, I bestow, I love her, I give her, I, I pour out on her all these things because of where she is and who she is in me because I love her. 
I don't think we fully understand where we are as Christians. Let me take you to the last thing, and I'm going to kind of tie these things together and say, we looked at who he is, where I am, but this is the cool thing, is what I am. See, the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. See, what Jesus was saying through this, that God, my God was telling me is, I am a new creation. And I'm going to step back, and I want, I, want to, I want to help you guys with this, okay? Because this, this is the big kicker of where I was going with this. It does not mean that we ought to strive to be new. It does not mean that we need to act like we're new. It means, in fact, that we are new. I, I know why it's quiet right now, because a lot of you are going to sit there and say, that is not true with me. See, the thing is, we think so outward, we don't understand truly what Jesus was talking about here. See, the thing is, a lot of people come down and they'll bow their head and they, they pray and they say, Dear Heavenly Father, I am sorry for my sin. I mean, God pulls back that curtain. It's called conviction. Have you, have you ever been there before? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, to be under conviction. I'm not saying, bow your head and repeat this prayer after me. Oh, what's he said? Pray this prayer right here. You know, I'm not talking about that garbage, and I mean that too. It's garbage. You cannot repeat a prayer and enter into heaven or have forgiveness. The Bible says, unless ye repent, repent. Which means a turning away from your sin to be broken in your heart and to cry out to God. Remember when I got saved, it wasn't a funny emotional feeling. God broke me down in the midst of my apathy of being in church my entire life. And I saw myself for who I was and I cried out to God. And he said, whosoever would do that shall be saved. Oh my goodness. I got up. I was still going bald. I still could not spell. I, 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 I still had zits. <clears throat> I was 16 years old. I, I still had all these flaws and everything that I wish would have been different, but none of those things changed. And see, so many people sit there and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I so desperately want to be different and I want to be new. But the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. But when I bowed my knee and I got up, I still wanted a cigarette. And I still wanted the drink. And I still walked out and I got mad and I still slipped up and cussed. And a lot of people think, maybe I didn't get it. Because none of those things fixed me. Now, I probably lost some of you already because you're sitting there going, wait a minute. I thought God does change those things. See, what happens is there was a man named Tony Liuzzo, my old man. See, I was born into sin. You guys get that? I was born into sin. Who I was was on my way to hell. I was born into this world. But Jesus took me from the world and he placed me into his grace. He placed me into Christ. He placed me into forgiveness. And the thing was, I was still Tony Liuzzo, which means that I was still flesh. 
But the man on the inside, my, my soul that was destined from hell, it died and I was made new through Jesus Christ. We think so outward when we think of this. Let me give you an example. There was a thief on the cross. There was two thieves on the cross with Jesus on that day. One cried out, and you know the story. One cried out and said, this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, will you remember me when you enter into your kingdom? And Jesus promised him, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Now let me ask you, where did that thief go? He said, said, already, I, I know the answer to that. But here on that cross, that man still had the stench on him from his sin. Uh, 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 I mean, uh, outwardly talking about it, he was he did not get off and change his life. It was an inward change that was there. It was his heart. It was his soul. It was who we are on the inside. Something happened at that moment. That leaf was changed. That, that, that day, that everything on the inside was changed. His past was forgiven. But no one saw this on the outside. See, therefore, if any man be in Christ, is he a new creature? Because old things are passed away. And I did a little study on this of what it means to be passed away. And I'm thankful for this description. It literally means that my past died. Who you were, all of those years, all that sin that was added up to you, everything. And go back in your mind and you're trying to sit there and say, you know what? I was a bad person. I've done a lot of wrong, and I, 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 I have cheated, I have stealed, I have lied, I have all these things added up, put it all there. When we come to know Jesus Christ, just to have this mental picture of what happens, the Bible says, old things, who you were, was passed away. Do you know what it means, what Jesus was saying? It died. It was crucified on the cross. It met its end. It doesn't exist anymore. It can't be brought up to your account. There is no way forever and ever can you ever be anything other than righteous in the presence of Jesus Christ. He said, but what on the outside? Yes, trust me, on the outside. We battle with our flesh. There is always this battle with the flesh. 2 Corinthians 4, 16, for which cause we faint not. But though the outward man perish... Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. The new person that we are in Christ. But I want to, as we close, I want to emphasize one word that is pretty cool. And that is the word behold. The word behold means to look, to cause, to draw your attention to, to emphasize, to point out and say, look at this. Look at this. Behold, all things are become new. See, the transforming power of Jesus Christ, let me take you back to this. I stood up, I was the same Tony that I was before on the outside. But let me tell you something that started happening in my life. I was, I was a couple of years away from graduating from high school. And I remembered how when I would sit in chapel, the messages meant so much more to me than they've ever meant before. And all of a sudden, church meant so much more than it ever did before. And, and I, I remember getting into an argument with my mom. And I'm not saying the outside. Outside, I got mad and I got angry. But something on the inside, I'm telling you, on the inside of my life, 
grieved me, tore me up, twisted me on the inside. And I remember weeping as a 17-year-old boy. I walked up to my mom and I was crying so hard that I could not see between my tears. And I said, Mom, I am so sorry for hurting you. And you say, that's not normal for a 17-year-old boy. You said, that wasn't me. That, but that, that, that guy that used to be there passed away. There was something that changed inside my life. And all of a sudden, what was on the inside began to show on the outside of what God had made me new. And everything about me, I went off to college and I was convicted that I wanted to give my life to Christ. I wanted to serve him and I fought him in that until God convicted me on the inside. And I raised my hands and said, God, I'll serve you in whatever way that you want me to. I remember all these things going through my life of how I was not the same person that I once was. I was new. I I was anxious. I was hungry. I was zealous. I was passionate. I'm not saying that to brag on me. I'm telling you that that's what God did in me. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I get really, really nervous around Christians that have no zeal, no love, no passion, no conviction, or no joy for the things of God. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not talking about the outward man that you are here today. I'm not talking about your presence to walk into a church. I'm not talking about your ability to carry a Bible. I am not talking about the fact that you grew up in Sunday school or you won prizes in VBS or any of those things. I'm asking you, who is in you? Because if it's Jesus, you will be different. You will be. But we have too many Christians that are walking through the outward man, the outward man. They're trying so hard to clean up their act or stop smoking or stop drinking, stop cussing, stop getting mad, stop being prideful, stop all these other things. The only thing that has the power to change you is when you are in Jesus Christ. That's it. You can't do it of yourself. You can sit there and nod your head and go through the motions and show up day after day and thing after thing, but it will not change your life Like you giving your life to Jesus Christ, it is not what you do, it's what he does inside of you. This makes all the difference. Say, why are you saying it that way? If your wife has to every single Sunday twist your arm to come to church, something's wrong. If you have to get up every single day and you have no desire for the things of God, something is wrong. And I am not going to sit there and say that we don't have times in our lives where we, we were on fire and sometimes where we're, we get to that stage of stagnation where we just allow our flesh to get in there. But I'm telling you, there ought to be a flicker of a fire inside of our life constantly to where we are sensitive to the things of God. You cannot have God Almighty living inside of your life and things continue to be the same. And let me make a comment to you because I love you as a church. Some moms and dads that spend their life going off of a prayer that their child said when they were six. Don't hate me for saying this. I know he's a Christian. I'll never forget that day. I I remember when little Timmy, he he bowed his head and he said, Dear God, come into my heart and be my personal Savior. And he was, and all this. And they're constantly going off of that thing 
To be honest, you and I have no idea what God did or did not do in their life on that day. But I can tell you this, through a life of being a Christian, through the life of having God Almighty dwelling inside of your life, and from the time that Timmy was six and he grows up and there's nothing, 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 you might want to change your prayer to, dear God, don't get him back in church, but dear God, save his soul. And I'm just saying you're going to sit there and go, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that my child is possibly lost. I'm just here to tell you that when God says this is what happens, God said that there is a transformation in their life. When there's an absence of that, we need to perk up and say, well, then what, what did God mean by this? What did God mean by this? I'm out of time, but who I am in Christ, I, the Bible tells me I'm new, I'm forgiven, but I wanted to close with something that really, really, really thrilled my heart, and that is the fact that I am secure. Now that I am here, let me, let me go to my illustration right here, I am in Christ. Now the devil's going to sit back here and say, man, I don't like that. I'm going to turn around and say, too bad, you can't do anything about that. You, you understand, and just so you, you get this, and, and Richard, I'm going to jump around a little bit to John 10, 28. I want, I want you to read this, okay? Just, just get this. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. That's my God talking to me, okay? Is any of you guys saved this morning? Raise your hand, wave, or something like that. And then God's talking to you right now. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them to me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I stand secure in my God. You say, what does it mean to be in Christ? It literally means to have the assurance that nothing is able to change what I have. Well, I don't know about nothing. All right, let me bring it out of Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecutions or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You say, you're, you're talking like that really stirred you up about something. It did. I had a dream a while back, and I'm, I'll be done. I've never even told my wife about this. I had a dream that we were somewhere and there was a hole. And that hole was, you look down inside of it, you could never see the bottom of it. And, and I don't know why this thought was in my head. I couldn't tell you, explain to you, whatever. I'm not saying it means anything. I'm not trying to interpret this. And I was with Jordan. And Jordan tripped and fell into that hole. And I'm telling you, have you ever had that dream? 
where you, you're sick in the dream and you wake up sick. I was, I was panicking. I was worked up. I was scared. I was this. I was that. It tore me up on a level that I could not explain, and I woke up in this fear. And I thought, you know what, I, I, I cringe at the idea and the thought of being separated from my children. I cringe at the, the thought of this. You guys can come out here if you don't mind. I have never done this in all of my pastoring. I have never used my entire family as an illustration, and they're all cringing at the thought that I'm making them do this. <laughs> it was one day, Jordan was in his bed, and I went up and was talking to him. And I don't even know how much Jordan remembers the details of this. Jordan was explaining to me about him getting saved. And I thought, this can't be right, because Daddy didn't lead you through no prayer or anything like that. And he said, Dad, I get it. And last night, I was laying in my bed, and I just prayed, and I cried out to God. And I mean, he's explaining to this, and I'm like all broken inside. And me and Jenny were so confused over this because it was the fact that it's not how we thought it would go. But it was how God did it. And I give praise to God because I know that on that day that Jordan accepted Jesus Christ, not because I talked him into it, because he confessed with his mouth the Lord Jesus, and he believed in his heart. He's in Christ. It was at youth conference, a couple years after I was youth pastor, that my wife came to me as we were supposed to be leading our teens out. And she grabbed me by the hand and she said, I am not saved. And I said, what? I'm telling you, I, I could not I've been more blown away with any other statement other than that. I'm like, we are graduates of Bible college. We've been in Christian school our whole lives. I said, we grew up in Christian homes. We had all this. And th that's another story and another time. And she said, Tony, I have never had the peace. I remember saying a prayer. But I'm telling you, everything is work. I've never had a transformation in my heart. We drove out of there. We dropped off our teens. We went to this holy place called Waffle House. <laughs> Don't ask me why it was Waffle House. And we sat up front in that minivan holding hands as I begged God to give me the words to say to my Bible graduate wife to try to help her to understand her salvation. And through all of that, it just clicked, and, it, and she got it. And, and I mean, I, I remember that moment when we were talking, and just, it happened. And I'm here to tell you that on that moment in Waffle House, my wife became a new creation. Her old things, her past, everything up until that point from when she was 24 back had died and passed away. And God gave me a new wife. He said, what was the new wife? Did she have new hair? No, no, it was a wife that was going to heaven that had a new heart and soul and love for God. I remember Logan has a similar story to Jordan of how it was nobody prompting or pulling or twisting or anything like that. Of how he sat there and he gave his life to Christ and then testified afterwards of that. I'm thinking, I didn't have one except for Jenny. But outside of my kids, I didn't have this. And, and I, my prayer was, Lord, you do it. 
I remember getting home from work, and Jenny said, you need to go talk to Morgan. She was sitting on her little day bed in her room, and I went in there and sat down, and I'm holding her hand, and I'm being so sensitive because I, I, don't want to, I, I don't want to tell her that I don't believe her, but I didn't want to try to put words in her head, and I just, I don't know. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. And I said to Morgan, I said, Morgan, what if Daddy was to say, I don't want you to pray this prayer? She said, Dad, it's too late. I already did it. <laughs> she said, I prayed. I know what I prayed. I asked God to forgive me of my sins and come into my life. I, you guys stay right there. I need to read a verse. God gave me this, for I am persuaded in Romans 8, 38, that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And then it hit me. I'm not the only one in Christ. You see, because when I'm in Christ, and Logan, and Morgan, and Jenny, and Jordan are in Christ, we are in Christ. And nothing could ever separate me from my family from all eternity because of where we are. And all of a sudden, God gave me such peace to know it's not just me. It's not just what God did in my life. You're saying, well, you don't know their heart. You know, I, I don't. But all I know is their testimony. That's all I have. And that's all you have. But I thank God for what he did. And I, I, I've thought about this as for that day where we stand before God. And there's this verse. The Bible says that, that death is swallowed up in what? Death is swallowed up in what? In victory. So one day, my family, we're going to stand before God. All right, and I, I don't know how this is going to look, but we're going to stand before God. And I imagine that that. that that fathead Satan out of all the garbage that he's done for all these years, he's going to be the accuser, and turn around and point at me and my family and say, they don't deserve this, they can't get in there, there's no way. But I'm going to stand there, I'm in Christ, which means that my past, everything that Satan wants to throw up to my face, is not only not present, he can't dig it up, there's no trash for him to find, it is dead, it is gone, it is buried. And then God gave me this. I have said this verse so many times, but I thought in this instant, this is what it's going to look like. Oh, death, Christ saying this to Satan, saying, oh, death, where? It's a question. Is there a sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? You know why it says that? As a question, it was God sitting there saying, dude, you have nothing. You have nothing to throw in their face. You have nothing against use against them. There is no evidence against you. Get out of here because we have all been made new in Jesus Christ. You guys can be seated. I asked you the question, are you in Christ? Not connected, not associated, not familiar but I'm talking about being in Christ. And I am not saying, and I hope you didn't take me wrong with all that I was saying about our children and things like that. I just learned this. That there is a transforming power on the inside that God gives us 
when there's no evidence of that, it scares me to death for people that go through the motions. I think of that passage in Matthew when he says that people stand before him. And many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name done many wonderful works and in thy name cast out devils? And then will I say unto them, depart from me, for I never knew you. Thought how many people live their lives going through the motions and have never ever experienced the transforming power of Jesus Christ.